<laughs> Hello and welcome to another show of the Oliver Gina Show. It's Oliver, your host here. And for the ones who know me, welcome back. For the ones who have never been here, welcome to the show. I normally interview people on creativity and innovation, how to listen to it, to your intuition, use methods, practices, routines to improve your life, your creativity, and so forth. Today's show is a bit different than that because I got to interview Mandy Morgan and she had a near-death experience in 1992. And since then she's able to receive messages either through voices, mostly through voices, through visions or through um, sensation in her body. We start talking about that experience and what it meant for her around 45 minutes into the podcast. Before that, we talk more about her life and experiences from being 10 years in Alaska and what it meant for her, how she got the job. We talk a lot about uh, sign language and how it helps to understand others uh, differently because more than yeah, 70-80% of the, bo- of the language is not verbal, so <clears throat> how that helps you to understand body la- uh, sign language and that sign language is not like a uniform language all over the world but it differs from region to region from language to language we also talk about how to elevate your your emotions how to be vibrate more positively with gratitude and forgiveness practices so we get a little bit around so if you're here for the creativity part there's not that much on this but there's a lot about storytelling about the story of mandy um, her takes on how to have a more positive outtake in the world what is her task from in 2020 what was told to her and how it is to have a near death experience so please welcome mandy to the show hello and welcome to another oliver shira show with me the host oliver and today on the other side of the globe as well um, the pacific coast of the u.s is mandy we connected two three weeks ago over a facebook group from mind valley where, um, where you posted some very vulnerable message you received 28 years ago that 2020 will be very important for you and i i wrote back to you that i'm doing podcasts and then we had a very long talk last week which was very insightful for me and now you're here welcome thank you i'm so glad to be here thank you for having me as your guest yes yeah, so let me like, let you introduce yourself a bit for the guests um i know that you're a teacher with um uh, how you call it <laughs> with the hands deaf students and i use sign language Yes, I didn't remember how you call it in uh, the right terms. So three things to describe you personally, professionally. You can use one word, you can use sentence. It's up to you how you would describe yourself. I think that I'm a compassionate person and I uh, three words. <laughs> or, or, or you can also describe yourself like, you know, like right. what you're doing and stuff like that. Um, I love helping people and I work with uh, deaf and hard of hearing students and I teach them and I've been doing that off and on for the last 20 years 
and I currently live in Reno, Nevada, but I was living up at the Arctic Circle area and also teaching um, Native Alaskan students, and it was awesome. Okay. So, so compassionate love helping and teaching. What brought you into the... No, let, no don't go that deep yet. Uh, if you... Uh, if you would uh, be the new color in a color box, which color would you be and why? Um, well, I'll just say my two favorite colors are pink and green. And if you know anything about the heart chakra, that's the, <laughs> the heart chakra colors. Um, and it's just, I, I love exhibiting that love and compassion and happiness and whatever I can do to help other people. So that's, that's my colors. So pink is a heart chakra color. I didn't know. I knew green is. Right. Um, I've also been told that it is um, a heart chakra color as well. So, um, and I've always enjoyed those colors even before I knew that. So the, the, it's, it's a funny combination. And I, I, I imagine it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> So Thanks. does it come in stripes or does it come with points or is it? <laughs> well, usually how I think when you actually said that, I always think of flowers that are pink flowers and then um, the green, the stem and the leaves. Oh. And so that's how I always kind of envision those two colors. Yes, of course. I just, yeah, because I was just like thinking how to combine them. Um, that was more <laughs> graphical. Super. Uh, do you have any secret people don't know that like only very few people know it's it's not like you did um something crazy but uh, i had someone with the which did uh medieval martial arts with the long sword right like the game of thrones kind of martial arts another one has frogs to remind him that to do the hard work first like eat the frog first um, oh wow <laughs> that's something like that or um uh not really um I, I don't have anything that I, I do as a ritual or anything, um, but probably one thing that people don't know is that most of when I lived up in Alaska, every day I flew on a Cessna plane to go from village to village. And oh. so I, um, I did learn how to fly and most people don't know that about me. <laughs> so you were flying your own airplane? I actually, usually I was the co-pilot okay. because um, there was the pilot, but I made sure that I learned how to fly because if something happened to the pilot, I was the only other person on board. And we would sometimes get into blizzards and all sorts of issues up in the air. And I was like, oh, I really need to know how to, to fly. Okay, yeah, that's a nice secret. <laughs> <laughs> So how are those planes? Are those the ones which come land on water or like these water um, airplanes or what is it? I have been on the water planes, but these were just like the little uh, Cessna planes. They're just little bitty. Sometimes they only seat four people oh. and that's, and you can't put too much into the tail cause you don't want to weigh it down. Okay. So you went, <laughs> so your work day was basically flying from place to place. Or was it like one day one place and another day another place? 
Right. And no, sometimes I was on what they call a milk run and um, and that's from village to village to village during that time frame. And I just helped to make sure that medical supplies and stuff were, um, were getting to the children in the villages. And it was an exciting time in my life. And sometimes I was on dog sled and sometimes I was on snowmobile or ATV. And they don't really have a road system up there. So, um, so you had to have different ways to get around, which that's kind of what people didn't understand how I li lived up there, but I loved it. Okay, so how did you come up there? How did what? what? Yeah, well, how did you end up uh, having that job? Oh, yes. Um, I actually was, um, it's been a number of years ago, I was actually going through a divorce, which I was very sad about. Yep. Um, but I was trying to go back to Texas, where my family's from. And a, on came the screen and said, would you like an exciting job? And I applied for a job in Alaska. And it originally was to be a behavior specialist, which I know nothing about. And they interviewed me for two hours. And I thought, well, this is crazy. They're interviewing me for two hours on a job that I know nothing about. But what I found out what it was, was to be the coordinator of the entire state of Alaska for um, birth to three-year-olds, deaf and hard of hearing. And so they were actually had looked at my resume and realized that I would be a great fit for this other position that I actually got. And it was an amazing time. So because you already had the experience uh, with handling kids, which are deaf and. Right. Okay. And <laughs> so there was just a screen. So how, was that on the airport or where did you see that screen? Which said like, Oh, on my computer. Screen? It was on my computer screen. I was looking for jobs in Texas. Uh, and then uh, one of those advertisements came up. And this was so many years ago before we have the technology like we have today. But it just popped up on my screen. And I thought, oh, let me just check into it. And uh, it was just on a whim. And it worked out. And it was fantastic. Wow. I mean, it seems so little but actually it, it has changed a lot in your life doing that and it, it might have been on purpose that you saw this i mean exactly i don't think that it was an accident i think that it was absolutely meant to happen um once i arrived there i still have so many friends back in alaska and i loved every minute that i was up there um you have the 24 hours of daylight during the summer and then in the uh, winter, it was most of the time, it was almost completely dark. And then the sun would come up on the horizon and go back down. And uh, so I always saw the sunrise and the sunset during the winters. <laughs> yeah, you got up for sunrise, sunset. <laughs> well, it wasn't One coffee, for... right? One coffee was enough for both. There you go. That's it. It was fantastic. <laughs> So you have a sunset, sunrise. So how, how did you handle, yeah, let, let's just go with the flow here. How did you handle that, the winter? I mean, I live in Denmark. Now we are, it's the 23rd of June. So the longest day, uh, like 21st, 22nd, 23rd, these are like the longest days in Denmark. And it's not really getting dark. It is dark, right. but it's not, 
if you have clouds, right, if it's a rainy day, you have black, pitch black. But if it's a sunny day with no clouds, you can walk at least for five days all night without needing lamps. So how was it then? But, and the winter is four-ish, four o'clock-ish that it gets dark, right? And only at nine-ish gets it's light. And it's very hard for many people. But if you go all the way up and you have sunrise, sunset in the same time, you don't really get sun um, or, you know, exposure. So how, how is the feeling? Um, how I dealt with it was I learned that there was like four different shades of darkness. And so... <laughs> So I would wait and, and look, um, it would be pitch black during the night. And then kind of, even though the sun wasn't really coming up, you could make out the buildings that were in the area. And then you would just look for different types of, um, of light, even though it was dark, if that makes sense. Uh, and and uh, emotionally? And then emotionally, it, um, it is draining. And so I had a, what's called a sad light and you end up using that. Most people do. They use a light to just kind of help them to boost up their energy and to also feel happier. But as time went on, I definitely felt really happy being there because you could go outside and you could see the roar borealis at certain times. And then what I also learned when I was there was if it's cold enough outside, um, the air kind of just lingers. So you actually see crystals in the sky and you can part them. And so they're, they're ice crystals that just hang out in the, in the air. But that means you're also kind of breathing in and it's just very cold, but it was so interesting. Oh my God, this sounds just like Matrix or something like that, that the air is, and you go between, wow. Right. How did it you feel the first time you experienced that, when you, the first time you saw this? How, what, was, what was your feeling? Well, uh, the first time, and I guess what it is, is it's like a fog or something, but I just kind of was hesitant to, to walk through, but then I saw other people walking through and the air just kind of departs and parts out from the the crystals so I was like oh this is cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it definitely is cool <laughs> to think about it, it it didn't happen very many times but just to have that experience was just amazing and um everything up there was just amazing there, there's the tundra so when you walk you kind of sink down and, and come back up I always did feel like I was on a different planet up there, but um, the people are so nice and it's just, um, and everyone helps everyone else out. So it's just amazing. How, would it, how is it with the wildlife there? I mean, there must be ice bears, like polar bears, sorry, in English, and uh, grizzlies and wolves. Exactly. I did see um, the grizzly bears or black bears um, and then I also saw polar bears and um, just a few times. I had one polar bear that actually, I before I was aware of polar bears, I was um, walking from the tarmac of the, what's considered an airport, but it's not really, it's just <laughs> kind of a little space. And I was walking towards the village. And by the time I got to the village, people started talking about that the polar bear was following me 
and it literally had temped over um, the trash. And it was rather frightening to me after the whole ordeal, but um, they said that they can track people up to a hundred miles away. I don't know if that's true or not, but, <laughs> but I never wanted to encounter that again because I was just clueless at that time. Okay, and, so you um, didn't see and then him. I saw one other polar bear. So I didn't see him. Mm -hmm. uh, so how, how far away did they say he was like very close? Or I'm, not even, I'm not even sure how far it was away from me, but they said that if he wanted to, you know, have charged or ran at me, that that would have just been the end. So, um, and I just hear that they're very mean. So I was a little worried. They look so cute when you see them on TV, but I've seen one in person and, uh, and it was fishing and um, for, you know, fish, but I never want to be too close to one. They're gigantic. <laughs> Yeah, we have here in Copenhagen, the, they have a really nice uh, cage for the bears where you can go underneath them and also a glass wall on the side. So they are huge. Because when they swim there, you really see how big they are and they get so close to the glass. Exactly. And I did work at the Alaskan Zoo. So we had one named Louie and he would come up to the glass. And I just remember those paws being so big. Yeah, so so you must have some protecting angels there that uh, that he didn't charge for you. I I believe that I do. Um, there's been so many incidences that I've had throughout my life, and they, I always come out on the positive side. So <laughs> you have, I mean, uh, let's go to the incidences. But before, how long have you been in Alaska? Did you say? Um, I was there for almost 10 years, but now wow. I live in Reno, Nevada, and um, and I love it here, too. I live by Lake Tahoe, which is beautiful. Yeah, I heard that name many times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, even as a European, you hear about the Lake Tahoe. <laughs> it, it's considered one of the most beautiful places in the world, so that, there we go. that might be why. I don't think many people have heard of Struer before, but... Uh... <laughs> no <laughs> I'm not so sad about that it's it's not a big place um, yes so you have been 10 years in, in Alaska anything else that yeah that you take took with you and you, you you kind of have good feelings about besides all the travels and sleighs and polar bears you see and learning to fly <laughs> and the people you right. meet um other good feelings definitely I think everyone will usually mention their children but definitely my children are a highlight of my life and yeah. so. are, they, are they still in uh, in Alaska or are they somewhere else oh um actually one is in Texas right now and she's my daughter but she's there um, she's 28 years old and then there's my son who is um, going to be 24 this next week and he's in Pennsylvania, and so they're already grown and out and on their own. Have they been with you in Alaska, or? Um, when I was in Alaska, they actually were, um, the one was in Pennsylvania, again, they were in Pennsylvania and then Texas, but they were with me um, quite often in Alaska, too. And how did they like it? 
being up there? Oh, they loved it. They thought that it was wonderful. And um, my daughter likes um, Mount Denali. It's one of the tallest mountains. It's just beautiful. And then my son just loved all of Alaska. It didn't matter. As long as he was venturing out, he loved it. <laughs> uh yeah we have friends in yukon actually my old neighbors they moved out to yukon and then uh, the girls moved to vancouver but i know now the older one is uh, a ranger in uh, yukon that is wonderful and that's so beautiful <laughs> i see that you you you, ha you talk a lot with the hands but you're actually talking with the hands not like the italians which right there and i'm i'm signing a little that's that's beautiful <laughs> yeah so it's it's a habit of yours to talk with the sign language because you have done it so much over time for people which have to have that right exactly i've been doing that off and on for the last 20 years so it just automatically people will go what are you doing and it's my hands and sometimes i'll even sign and go what is that word in english <laughs> oh yes um yeah let's let's put this thing aside so uh, let's go for the uh, the sign language um, i've always wondered if if you speak sign language can you talk to anyone around the world like chinese arabic russian German is it the same or is it different it's so different that's a misconception there's American sign language which is what I know there's British sign language India oh. sign language um, Spanish uh, Spanish sign language and um, even in Africa there's different signs as well um, so just all over the world it's different and I've actually taught students from different locations they've come in from around the world but when I for instance when I had one student from Africa they kept going like this and I was like I don't know what that means and this is father in American sign language but this was um, father in his language because most of the men in his village smoked cigars so this was <laughs> like a cigar for father and then as its father yeah like you you touch the forehead which i don't know what will why that is i can understand the cigar holding but it's also so do you have the dialect also in america depending where you are in the region um yes and there's over um like there's just over 100 signs for pizza so there's um yeah, this is pizza, pizza, um, and I forgot one of the other signs. That's usually the two signs that I use is pizza and, um, but it's just, yeah, there's different signs for everything, even like birthday, um, they have different signs in different locations too. Okay, now I understand because uh, we talked on the talk last week that, I, that or did we? That our daughter got, um, I think, six CDs or DVDs where we had some sign languages as we speak, spoke four languages at home. And then, like, help was like one hand is lifting up the other one. And I think uh, poo poo is like <laughs> pulling the Right. Down. That's correct. And like, thank you is basically uh, a kiss from, yeah, from the cheek, uh, from this, not from the cheek, from the chin. Um, exactly and then thirsty i think was like just drinking mm -hmm. 
uh, but I tried with some people and they didn't understand and then I gave up. Uh, but that must also be because it must have been an American DVD. Um, and then if I tried to, to talk to someone which knows sign language in Denmark, they use different signs. But how comes there are so many? I mean, um, it's just like the rest of us in the world. We grow up in different locations. And so you're just trying to speak to the people in your community. And then all of a sudden you see that these languages um, arise in that location and that they'll look different from location to location. Okay, so it's just an organic growth over hundreds of years of trying to communicate with people which cannot verbalize or yeah. hear. Exactly. And it, American Sign Language actually started um, with the over in France. Um, we had an American that went over to France trying to figure out how can they sign. And so they we picked up um, more of a French based sign rather than the British Sign Language. Um, and you would think that we would have had more of the British Sign Language being that we're from the United States and speak English and um, but it comes from France. So actually when you're signing in American Sign Language, you're um, following more of the structure of French. Okay, so but how old is sign language officially? Um, I think that it's um, about 150 years old now. Okay. Somewhere around there, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. But well, I of know course before was, before was whatever right but exactly and every language has pretty much come up with but they um what we have found is that there's definitely a structure um with every sign language and then there's definitely different meanings um just like in different cultures with different languages um so we have found quite a bit of of different things and how signs are put together they're just like when we create words um, they're creating signs as well. So, um. <laughs> yeah, and you're still talking with the hands. I don't see everything, which is a bit sad because I think <laughs> you're going to put that on YouTube. So, I mean, you're, you're, this episode is definitely worth on YouTube because you use the hands. Right. <laughs> um, if I could be able to speak uh, sign language, you could actually make uh, a version for people which need it. Uh, but another question is, oh, is there also um, a, a universal sign language? So when you travel the world, like English is basically a universal language when you travel, because most of the places, if you don't speak the language, somehow you should find someone which speaks English in some degree, right? Is there also it, something like that for sign language? Uh, my understanding, I'm not as knowledgeable on this. Um, I have a friend that has been to like a conference that was a world conference and she said that there was something more of a universal um, signing that was there but for myself I don't have that experience so I'm not exactly a hundred percent sure on that okay yeah but that's uh that's good enough we take you're on the podcast and I just go with the flow as we were told so um why did yeah the question i stopped before because i wanted to continue with the caller was how did you end up um yeah your your metier your your job as a sign 
language expert with kids. What was the drive for you to go there? Believe it or not, it started at age four. Um, Whoa. I, I was out playing with all of the other children on the block that I grew up on. And there was a little girl that was sitting on a porch across the street and she just kept staring at us. And I kept saying, come play with us. And she just sat there and my mother finally told me she was deaf. And I said, I have to learn how to talk to her. Um, she only was in our neighborhood during the summertime because she went to the school for the deaf, which was in another city. And then she would come back during the summer times. So I saw her a few more times. And then I started learning sign language. But before I could talk to her, she moved away. Her family and her moved away. So I do not know who this little girl is. And I'll probably never know. But she inspired my whole life. <laughs> okay. So you learned the sign language. Where did you learn it? I actually didn't learn. I learned a little bit when I was in middle school and high school, but I didn't really learn sign language until I got into college. And that's when I finally um, took off and uh, learned it. And then my master's program was actually in sign language. And at that point, that's when I really started mastering signing because if I didn't, I would miss homework assignments and other things that were important to the class. So, I guess the whole communication was in sign language. Mm -hmm. It was. So, how many years did, was that school where you had to use sign language as a means of communication? Was um, that one year, one semester, or was that? Oh, no, it was um, a two-year program. And so for that two years, all of my classes were in sign. And then sometimes they would have someone that would voice uh, for the teacher, depending on who was in the classroom. But there were many classes where the teacher would just sign only, and uh, which was a great experience because when you're immersed into the language, then you absolutely have to learn it. and. Yes, I mean, it's with all the languages, if you speak, I mean, I use a lot the hands, which is this difficult for Danes. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we can actually go into that as well. But I'm Swiss, and I don't know if, if I use a lot my body language as a Swiss, more than normal Swiss do, but I definitely know Italians, when, you're, when I'm around Italians or Latinos, it's, it's, it, I'm not standing out because they use the body to, to speak. It, they definitely do. They're constantly moving. And um, and actually, if you're not aware, 80% of our language um, is our body language. So people talk, and that's just 20% of the communication. But most of our communicating is through our body language. And most people don't realize that. So you might be standing in front of someone and you're giving all kinds of information by how you're standing, by how your facial expression is, by kind of what you're doing. And that usually you can tell, oh, someone's interested in, in this, that what I'm talking about, or, or you can tell that, oh, they're not interested at all. 
but they keep going, oh yeah, I'm interested. And you can just see it in their body language that they're not. Um, or maybe that's just something that I've picked up over the years because I, uh, I work with all of these students and they used to tell me when I would come into class, I, I went in sick one day and the students, I kept going, yay, I'm great, I'm fine, I'm wonderful. And <laughs> all of the deaf students kept going, no, you're, you're sick, something's wrong. Are you sad or are you sick? So they could tell right away. All the hearing people, not one of them asked me if I was sick. They okay, so, all thought I was okay. So you had a, a blending, a, a mixed class with deaf people and you were using voice and sign language to give. Class. Right. Um, I'm usually, what I am is an itinerant teacher. So I usually go from class to class and my students get um, mainstreamed and then I just come in to kind of help out in those situations to see if they need any help with their work or is there something going on with the sound system that I can help to improve it in the classroom? Is there something that maybe the teacher needs to be able to communicate better with the student? And then making sure that the student's sitting in the right place and that nothing's blocking um, their view from seeing the teacher. And, and are they reading mostly or? Were they able are they, to lip read or like mouth reading or how we call it? Oh, um, that's a good question. Some of them do um, do the lip reading, but others we have a sign um, interpreter in the classroom with them. Okay, so ah, so you were not like fixed, but so there was the teacher and then the sign interpreter next to it. Right, exactly. And I actually did that one year was the interpreter for a classroom and uh, and it can be challenging at times to try to get all of the information then give it out to the student and because you're lagging behind about seven seconds from what the teacher says to the student and you start realizing the teacher needs to pause because by the time you get a question out to the student the other kids have already raised their hand and the teacher's already called on someone for the answer and and you're like well <laughs> that's the deaf student missed again. Um, so that's one of the things that I do now is I let teachers know you need to pause to give the interpreter time to get the message across to the deaf student and then have the deaf student have a second to actually be able to think of what the answer is and then be able to respond with the rest of the students. Yeah, because otherwise they feel discriminated in some way because they can never really speak up and then they're getting disconnected. I guess from from the class exactly. because if you cannot answer, right? Uh, I had a question in my head. Now you nicely explained what you were doing from from your sick day when you come in and you speak, and the deaf students could tell that you're not well. Do you think because of using sign language, they're more attentive to the body language? Definitely. They definitely are picking up because even the body um, lets us know even in sign language kind of what's going on with people and facial expressions are a big thing um, to, to let people know. Are you asking a question? Is this a statement or what's happening? So did that help you also to read people better? I mean, you mentioned it a little bit before. 
Right. I think over the years, it definitely has, because I can pick up on cues from people where I'm still waiting for hearing people to pick up and they don't always pick it up. And then I go, hey, did you notice? And they'll go, no, I didn't. Um, but sometimes I think as hearing people, we do notice some things because we'll automatically without someone talking to you, you'll go, oh, I don't have a good feeling. I need to walk away or oh, I can tell the person's really interested because they're leaning towards me. And so you keep talking. And so things like that. Yeah, so, sorry, my, I Even moved my laptop. Even people are picking up. <laughs> oh, no problem. <laughs> um, yeah, because I have a hot laptop on my, on my leg. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> no, so I was just thinking because there's um, James Abel, I think it's his name. Uh, fat burning man or something like that is his podcast it's it's many years ago i listened to him and i re recall that he was a musician i think guitar playing if i'm not wrong before and he was overweight and etc and then he learned he was on medication and then he mentioned about listening to other people he could hear how they are because he played music and he realized that when he talks to other musicians the the conversations were different because musicians can hear in, in your tone if you're lying, if you're truthful, if you're interested, all these kind of cues. And you say, which makes sense that if you speak body language, you have a similar advantage, I would say, because you can, you know, people have a harder time to lie to you and you get faster to the truth and to some Exactly. You can definitely see on people's body language how they're feeling and what they're thinking, kind of almost what they're thinking. But just like with the musicians, I very much relate to the musicians too, because you do hear um, in voices like the tone changes and it's it's like, oh, let me read that. What's going on? And it's, it's very interesting to actually... <laughs> Oh, you went in secret. What I was just thinking, like when I'm in restaurants, um, I don't hear other people's conversations like at the next table, but there are times where you'll see a group of people and you can just tell who's really interested in what's going on and the ones who aren't interested in what's going on and they're looking around or they're fiddling with their phone or they're doing something else or they're they keep picking up their napkin up and down or they're just doing other things that shows you that they're not really into whatever's being discussed at the table. And, and so I always find that interesting, but sometimes people are talking so loud that you also hear their inflection and you can tell this conversation is about something very exciting for this person. And then for the other person, you'll hear their monotone voice and you're like, oh, it's not interesting for them. So sometimes I can hear things like that too. Okay, so you're very intuitive. I, I guess, yes. <laughs> uh, did you always have, I mean, we, we talked a bit from, from being four years old, but did you have that through, through all your growing up period from, from being a child until you were a teacher that you kind of observe people like that and how they were? I, I think I have always observed people and, um, and then 
if we come to like with my um my daughter's birth that's when i think things really changed for me um my whole life changed at that point okay so. but uh, that's a nice intro then let's go there because now we know what you do and you, you're still working as a teacher right with right. sign language and and one of the things that i really i love doing is i've had the <laughs> the pleasure of yes I have had the pleasure of um, being on stage with some of the singers since you were talking about music and interpreting music for, for deaf people in the audience. They love music. Um, they can feel the vibration and, um, and some of them, if they're hard of hearing, they can hear, but maybe not hear all the words. So um, I don't know if you've heard of Chris Daughtry or Goo Goo Dolls or, um, Kenny Rogers or any of them, but those are people that I've been on on um, the stage with. Is there any video of that? I'm sorry. Is there any video where you're on the stage? Uh, do you think? No, we didn't video. They were at concerts that were kind of private, where they didn't do any videotaping. I know, like um, when I did like Smash, I did Smash Mouth and Kenny Rogers and stuff, and at that place. They were literally taking people's phones away from them if they even tried to videotape or take a picture. Um, so, <laughs> okay, I just meant it could have been nice to to link to it to the listeners to see that. I wish I I had that. That those are like highlights in my life without any anything to go with. It. Yeah, but we will put links to to the musicians you were doing. So. I'll, I'll mention them in the show notes. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And Philip Phillips is another one. I just am like Dustin Lynch. <laughs> I think that, I don't know who else, but. <laughs> but what kind of music is it? I mean, Kenny Rogers, I heard the name before, but I'm not really sure. Is that all? It's, he's, um, he um, is an old country Western singer. And then um, Chris Daughtry is more of a up-to-date um, type of music and Philip Phillips, I guess like kind of pop. Okay. And, um, and then there's um, Dustin Lynch is, is country. Goo Goo Dolls is from like the 80s um, type music and 90s. Okay. So just a variety. Okay, it's not just like, I, I, I was thinking of country music uh, when I heard the name. <laughs> so it's a, it's a blend. Okay, but um, let's get into, yeah, now, now we have introduced you so for, for the listeners and, uh, and for the ones which are still listening. So now <laughs> it's how we connected. It's the story of, uh, of the birth of your daughter 28 years ago. Right. How it came that uh, that 2020 was told to be an important year for you or exactly. for the world, I don't know. So yeah, please share your story. Yes, so 28 years ago, it was, um, it was actually August 16th of 1992 and it was a Sunday and it's, it was really bizarre because in the morning, I had a doctor call me from the hospital saying, I need you to come in. And she wasn't my doctor. She was an on-call doctor. And I said, oh, I'm okay. I'll see my doctor um, tomorrow. And my daughter wasn't due until September 11th. 
Um, so I was not anticipating having a baby on August 16th, but I did. Um, so what happened was the, the doctor said, there's a voice that keeps talking to me saying, you have to come in. And I said, well, that's really strange. I think I can just hold off and uh, <laughs> wait for my own doctor to see me tomorrow. Well, a few hours went by and she called me again and she said, you have to come in. This voice is not letting up. I've never had anything in my whole time that I've been a doctor. This has never happened. You have to come in. Um, if nothing else, just please, because I need this voice to stop. And I don't think it's gonna stop until you come to the hospital and I check you out. So how, how was that at the situation back then in 1992? Did you believe in, in such things that a voice is talking to a person or how, how, how did you feel? I believe that things like that could happen, but I just really on this particular day thought this doctor has lost it. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept thinking, I don't know that I want to go in with this doctor because this is just very nutty it's not even normal and and so my my own thought was like this is crazy but i'll appease her i'll just go in and see her um and i did have toxemia at the time and i think they call it hypertension today and so my blood pressure was really high i was swollen but again my doctor had just said to lay down for the weekend and and come see me on monday so on on this sunday i did decide to go to the hospital my mom drove me and my sister also got in the car with us and we arrived at the hospital and just when we arrived and i stepped out of the car um i started collapsing it was like i could breathe and I was like oh my god I can't breathe um, and then they got a gurney and got me into a room but I started hearing the nurse telling me stay with us Mandy stay with us and I had um, started hearing code, code blue being announced on the intercom code blue code blue and that usually means that someone's heart has stopped and um, at the time, I didn't really realize that that was being announced for me. I could just only keep hearing them, and I started hearing them going, one, two, three, four, five, breathe. And I kept hearing that over and over again while I was also hearing people yelling, stay with us, stay with us. And then I started hearing them saying, we're losing her, we're losing her. And when that happened, I just like shot up out of my body and I was watching from overhead and I was watching doctors flying into the room and nurses coming into this room. And there was just a massive amount of people. And I'm looking down at myself and I just see them putting all this gear on me and machines. And, um, and then the next thing I know is I see them pushing my mother out the door. So I rush out the door with my mother, but I'm still a, a, up in the air watching from above and i see her in the hallway with the nurse and the nurse is saying we don't think we can save your daughter but we are going to work as fast as possible and see if we can save your grandchild if there's anyone that needs to be here um they, they need to get here now 
and immediately I went down the hallway where I saw my sister and she's on the, I hear her talking to my father. I all of a sudden arrive at our house and I'm at my, with my dad outside of the truck and he's getting into the truck and I see him getting into the truck to come to the hospital. And about that time in the sky, there opened up this big, massive, bright light. It was so beautiful. And it just felt like I was supposed to go there. So I went through the light. And as I was going through, there was um, darkness on either side. It was like I was going through a tunnel. And, um, and finally, I arrived on the other side. And it was like this bright light just spread open. And it, it looked like I shouldn't even see anything. It was so bright, but it was so beautiful at the same time. And then I saw a great big tree. It was just this massive tree and light was coming out from behind every leaf. And then on the ground, um, it was like every grass blade had light coming out from behind it. Everything had light. Um, and then I started seeing these light beings that were walking towards me from out of like a field coming towards me up under the tree. And they all fit under this huge tree, but I was just amazed. And then two people stepped forward and I had a younger sister who died when she was 12 years old. And one of those people was my sister. And then there was another lady standing beside her that had her hair up in a bun and, and had um, a blue shirt on and a white dress over the top. And she told me her name was Leela. And so I, I was like, okay. Um, and my sister said, it's not your time to be here. You must go back. And about that time she had her hands out in front of her and she pulled it for, back towards her. And then I started going back um, through this tunnel and it was just a lot of electrical sounds. It was like going back into my body and I arrived just in time during the last part of the C-section and I had the, they pulled my daughter out um, and she's screaming and crying and I got to see her just as she was born, which was amazing. And then I ended up having I only got to see her for a short time because I was still off and on flatlining and I flatlined off and on for the next 10 days. And then um, closer toward the, the 10th day, I had another time where I distinctly remember um, that I had flatlined. And then this time um, when I woke up, there was actually just a tube, all the machines were off and there was just a tube in my right arm and they were draining out the blood into this bowl down below. And I set up to ask them what was happening. But pr just prior to that, I had also been back to this wonderful, magnificent, beautiful place. And I have no words to describe some of what I saw. Um, I was actually gone for 20 minutes is what they said during this time frame um, that they had already said that I had died and had told my family. And so this was like 20 minutes later, I, I guess. It, it, but um, what happened was I saw colors that I've never seen on our planet. I can't describe it. And again, everything had this light behind it and this most beautiful, 
beautiful sounds. I haven't heard anything like that here on earth. And it just, I, I got told, I actually also could just see, I don't know, even know how to describe it because there's no words. Like I felt like I was seeing affinity um, just across an all time happening at the same time. I, I can't even describe what it was. And I also saw that our time frame of how we live as being linear wasn't wasn't what I was seeing time up there. Time was like folding on itself and coming in and out. And I still have no words for what I saw. <laughs> but at that time, that's when I got told that when I turned 52, which is in a month from now, that our world would be in apparel and that it would be time for me to start coming out and trying to help people um, and trying to repair our, our world. But as far as what I know, there's something, a second, I know we've had this pandemic, but there's like a second uh, coming. And I don't know exactly all of what that means. And I feel like I'll just get revealed to me as time continues as to what is happening and what I'm supposed to be doing completely. But it's, um, but I just know that this was always my time, that this was when my life was going to start taking off and everything I've been through is um, had a purpose for this exact time. Hi. Have you come here? What is it we have to do? We have to burn a witch. Oh, that's kind of like a timing in uh, <laughs> this interview. Okay, so that was the interruption of my daughter. We have to burn a witch. Um, <laughs> um, what you're saying would not too long ago be called crazy and cuckoo. Yourself would have called that not completely normal. I mean, that's why I asked you how you felt about, you know, someone telling there's a voice thing that you have to come to the hospital. And then now you just like tell us all these things of the beautiful light. When we talked last week, you, you, you said it was just so beautiful. You didn't want to come back to our life because everything was compassion, love. And the question that was asked was like, how can we help you? What do you need? Exactly. And, and that's how I still feel. I, I still have this yearning of, you know, I would love to be there. And somehow a part of me still sees that like on a daily basis. And I know it sounds crazy because I didn't really 100% believe in this until it happened to me. And now I'm like, wow, this is just amazing. So I usually can tell when someone's going to pass within you know, three days before they're passing, I can start to feel that they're going to pass over. And it's like I can also kind of see or envision that side again when, when this happens. It's um, wow. been incredible. Yeah, I mean, is that for anyone? So if you're in the bus or in the city, you can see someone will die? Or is it A someone lot of times close to you? Uh, no, not just close to me. I can feel other people. So like I've been in the grocery store um, and I had someone brush up against me and I just was like, oh, oh, I, I felt like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I don't feel well. And I felt like I was tumbling and it was so awful. It was a young, younger guy, but he got on an ATV after he left the store 
and he literally rolled and it killed him on his ATV. And I feel like I felt that just moments before it so happened. So you saw it happen? I could see it in my head, but I could really feel my own self. Like I fell down in the store because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm tumbling. I could feel it happening. And, and then I also was around another guy um, and he was on a motorcycle and I was like, I started feeling like I was choking. And then the next morning he was in a motorcycle wreck and it sliced his throat and he died. And so the night before I actually was feeling his, what he was going to go through. And a lot of people I can feel um, just before their death, like what it's, feeling like, like if they can't breathe, is their head hurting? Um, or is there something else that's going on? Oh, that's not, uh, so that makes you feel, um, are we in control of the future? Is it already written sometimes, right? If you can feel it, what happens in the future, right? Right. Well, I, I've actually warned people, you know, like, oh, I think something is going to happen. You need to not do this today or, or whatever. And it seems like, a, a, you know, it can be like a, another week or so, and that will happen anyway. So I've learned just to let it go, breathe in and breathe out and, um, and wish them all wonderful, great things. And and move on if I feel that because I don't think I can change it. I haven't ever changed it for anyone. Okay, no, it's uh, it reminds me of a documentary I saw about uh, a paper roll in Israel where everything is written on, coded, so you can find yourself. And it doesn't really tell you exactly what will happen, but when it happened, it makes sense. Like when you're born what city you're born, what kind of schools you did. The important things of life are, are written there. And they still don't know how, how that is possible. And, and that's what I've heard also. And, and it does kind of make sense because um, when I went to this place and I could see eternity and I saw all time happening at the same time, it seemed like that, that there were just certain things in our lives that are key that are meant to happen and they will happen regardless of what we're doing. And that's kind of what I saw um, when I was there. Yeah, so that's definitely could be a title for the show. Certain things are meant to happen. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I, I definitely agree with that. That, And I feel like that people that we meet is there's a reason um, that there's not a real coincidence. There's something that we always have something to learn from someone. So when they enter our life, for whatever reason, there's always something that we get back out of it. So we were meant to, to meet because I'm not so much on Facebook anymore. I know Mind Valley actually was drawing their, their group activities on Facebook onto their own uh, platform because they had students which are not on Facebook for different reasons, right? Um, right. Could be conspiracy reasons for some. It could be privacy reasons for others. For the next, it's just they never went. And so they never really got connected on Facebook. Uh, and I just went there and I went through and then I saw Mandy commented and I had probably 30 or something. I just clicked on it, looked at it, saw your story, 
commented and you answered very fast and uh yeah so it most likely <laughs> was meant to be because you were also told to share your story and i asked you about you know do you want to be on a podcast <laughs> exactly and and that's you're actually helping me because you're the first person i'm doing a podcast with so <laughs> I guess I'm not the last one. Um, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I think the story is very, very important. So you mentioned before you're told like on the go what's going to happen. So you have not been told everything. You just have been told in the in 92 that in 2020 something is really going to happen. Uh, and then during the time you got more information. So what happened lately? This right. I... I have just had the information of um, that that there was going to be this second coming of something that's happening, and um, and I haven't been revealed all the information. But even when I was younger, it was almost like it, there would be a battle or a war or something happening, and um, and that could just be the this COVID nineteen and is the war. Who knows? But what I know is that I was told try to stay positive and um, and not get so caught up on the material things or to be caught up in fear. You need to release the fear and to just feel in life. And so what needs to happen is for everyone is just to keep your energy or vibration. We're all made of uh, frequency. And so if you can keep your frequency at a higher level, it just helps. And, and a lot of that is um, doing the meditation like you're doing and visualizing positive thoughts. Um, another great idea is just keeping like a gratitude journal. I keep one myself and it just helps if you write in the morning, uh, jot down like three to five things. It just helps you to feel better throughout the day. Um, and also, I know that here in the United States, at least, they keep showing the COVID-19 on, on TV and people are becoming very frightened and scared. But if you just keep a, a positive feeling and, and think, oh, this, I'm healthy, I'm good, I, um, I'm surrounding myself around good people, and then just, Again, it's that staying positive type feeling that helps the most, but not getting caught up so much in the fear. Yeah, so yeah, you, you say you were told to stay positive, release the fear and not be too materialistic, be in a higher vibration, right? Right. And doing that by meditating and visualization of positive things, gratitude journal, three to five things, and... Mm -hmm you know, have a positive affirmation about I'm healthy, I'm good. What it's, do you say about forgive, forgiveness practice? Oh, yes. You know what? And, um, and that has been huge for me, especially since um, I had this near-death experience. It was um, then that I realized that forgiving is very important. When we forgive, it is helping ourselves more than it helps the other person. It does no good if you're angry at someone. They don't know you're angry and their life continues to go on as is and they live, you know, however they want to live. 
if you're not forgiving them though, you're upset, you're aggravated, you're angry, and you're holding and bottling all of those emotions inside of you. And it somewhere will build up inside your body and it'll come out eventually. Um, so if you can just visualize forgiving that person and, and letting it go, it doesn't mean that you need to forget. You never need to forget if there's an experience that was horrible and not place yourself back in that environment again. It just means that you're saying, I forgive. And it's more of just letting yourself feel um, this, whatever feeling off of your chest or wherever you're holding it in your body, because it could be in different locations. It could be someone's having headaches or aches somewhere else, but it's just helping yourself to forgive that person. And then just saying that, um, they knew, even if they did know better, even telling yourself that they knew no better than where they were, or that has happened to them. And so they just released it off onto you as well. And, and also that compassion, having that compassion back towards that person is also very helpful. It's, I can tell you, it's not easy. I've been through a number of things throughout my life, which I think has been preparing me for being here um, starting at 52. Um, I've been in some really bad situations, but it's always helped me just to say, oh yes, I forgive them. So I can feel happy and put all the good stuff into me. Yeah, sorry, I just realized my face is black and white uh, on the video, <laughs> so I'm turning a bit more to the, to the window i'm standing now instead of sitting mm -hmm. so how is the um, yeah i mean you, these things i heard gratitude journal meditation and the forgiveness practice what, what when did you start do you meditate and visualize do you do the gratitude journal and the forgiveness and when did right. it start for you i've um i've actually been doing like the forgiveness since um the day that my daughter was born and onward. It's just kind of, years. yes, for 28 years I've been doing that. And people are always like, that is just crazy. I can't believe you're not mad at this person. Um, I've actually gone and helped people that have been hurtful towards me in the past because I feel like as if I help them, it helps everyone to be healthier and lifts the energy even more. So um, I've always done that. And then gratitude, I will admit, I have done that off and on also for like the last 28 years, but I haven't been as diligent as I feel like I could have been. And I noticed though, when I don't keep a gratitude journal, that my emotions seem to go downward and into a spiral. So when I keep the gratitude, and I'm gonna let you guys know, there have been times in my life, all I could write in my gratitude was, thank you, I have a blanket. <laughs> thank you, I got to eat today. I mean, I have like struggled on some days to go, I need to find something to write that I'm thankful for. Cause there's just sometimes we have a bad day and it's like, nothing good happened. Um, but when you really start going back through it, it's like, wow, um yeah the, and then you start thinking about the blanket or something you're like this is really comfy and you know it's nice on my skin and so then you start finding more things and all of a sudden you just keep it starts 
going that you can write more and more and more things. Okay, so it's because you, now you mentioned you went through the day. Is that <clears throat> do you do it in the morning or do you do it in the evening? Um, I've done it both. I've done it sometimes at night, and then um, but recently I've been doing it every morning. I get up and I just um, write every single morning a couple of things down, um, and that seems to help me through my day. And then just like Vision was saying, you know, doing your segments of the day, I think that that kind of helps some oh, somewhat. Um, but then we also talked. Huh? Was that right. the six-phase meditation, right? Exactly. Yeah. For, and then uh, just kind of visualizing. And visualizing doesn't always work to what you think it is, but I feel like that you have more control um, of your day, even if it goes array and you feel like it's out of control. But if you visualized, you still have some positive things that you can pull out for the day or try to make those things happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked when just before that I'm, it seems that I'm hypersensitive and I have not really accepted that before. Uh, especially the last two full moons I could really feel. And now we are on the 23rd of, of June, so the solstice uh, passed. And I, had, I just told you for the last 10 days, it feels like whatever I'm doing, it just feels like I'm doing the wrong thing right it's like i'm doing something i visualize it and it shouldn't take that long and then i can do whatever i can draw i can prepare the podcast i can find new guests but somehow the day passes the thing i started takes all day even though it should just take two three hours and i have the feeling i haven't connected with my family i have not really relaxed uh, but it's it, it tends to be around the full moon time or now solstice, I really feel like unbalanced. You said you felt unbalanced yesterday, Sunday mm -hmm. a bit. And some people around you felt unbalanced. My wife doesn't say. But now when you mention this gratitude and see something positive, I'm, because I'm standing up at the window, I'm looking out uh, and see my family. You saw my daughter kept coming in before telling me we're going to burn the witch. Uh, it looks like they're making popcorn on, on the barbecue grill, on the Weber grill, you know, these round balls. <laughs> and they're having a great time and it fills me up with with joy right it, i feel good even though i felt bad that i didn't spend time with the kids really uh this afternoon even though i was around them just because things did not fit like a puzzle piece exactly and that happens sometimes and i think that's even a great time to pull out your um journal at night and just go hey this happened today like I saw my children popping popcorn and it and so it's just a great memory and just writing that down for yourself yeah they were throwing uh -huh. popcorn in, into their faces to see how many have taken crap of the mouth I could just see <laughs> oh and see that's a fun thing too and you can write that down that's already two things um and I'm sure that there were other wonderful things that have happened throughout the day so like even just writing one more thing that'll give you three things when you go to bed to go my day was much better than i thought <laughs> i mean let's let's go to this like routines uh in the beginning you said you don't have any special routines but um i know tim ferris he was talking probably since 2014-15 about the five minute journal i didn't really understand i understood what he meant but i couldn't make it happen just take a paper and write it down uh last year 2019 and 
February, I got a six-minute journal from a listener of Tim Ferriss, 100%, because a lot of the notes, the highlights, was just reminding me of different... And Oh, no, I, I can hear you. I, I didn't mean to stop you, but I have that intuition of where I hear other things. Another weird thing about me that happened um, whenever I started, whenever I went on this near-death experience, and I'm hearing, I'm going, oh, this is great. You're not meant to journal. You're meant to draw. You're meant to paint. That's your journaling. That's what we talked about last week. So, but, um, okay, let's, let, uh, uh, no, mental notes or we come back to the drawing. So I wanted for the listeners about, you know, the five minute journal. So last year I got the six minute journal from a Tim Ferriss listener, which had an accident in, I don't know, Singapore, Malaysia, somewhere. He's German. He traveled with someone, had the motorcycle accident, open cut. He was bleeding to death. Right. People came, looked at him, took videos. And when they realized there's nothing to gain, they left. He was bleeding there in agony. Um, I don't know what happened with the other motorcycle guy, but eventually there was an Australian dude coming, going to him and say, uh, I don't remember what saying, but like, everything is going to be okay. Bite. I'm here for you, Zach. He, he bound, he was binding the wound. He got him together, got in the hospital I don't remember where he was in hospital, probably in Malaysia, wherever he was, and he couldn't do anything. And he was like threatened by losing his leg. And he was loving to move. He did football, basketball, all kinds of activity sports. And he had all the means to be miserable, right? right. To the, the black spiral. And, uh, and I don't know if he knew Tim Ferriss from before and knew about that, but he did the six minute journal. He improved the five minute journal. And he was writing down everything positive, like, I'm alive. I could be dead now. Uh, I have great doctors around. I have people taking care of me. And, 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 and he said, it was funny. People were like, how can you be so positive when you have, you know, you might lose your leg and you love all these activities. And he's like, because I'm focusing on what I have, not on what I don't have. And so the six-minute journal compared to the five-minute journal, which m many people know by now, it's just three things in the morning and three things in the evening. Now, someone stole my five. No, someone took my six-minute journal because I showed it to her. And then I asked where, where it is. And she was already home. And she's like, I took it with me because I like your notes. I'm like, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it was for getting an idea so you can do it yourself. You don't have to take my notes. Perhaps I want to read them, right? Right. Uh, it's a really good book. I, I put it on the show notes because he's also explaining the psychology behind it. So in the morning, you have like the three things you're grateful for. Uh, you have a positive affirmation about yourself. Could be, he calls it the hammer version, like, like uh, Jim Carrey did, having a $10 million check in his purse and like uh, four super good uh, uh, acting qualities or whatever it was, what he was writing there. He had that for 10 years. So you can write something like that every day just to remind right. and writing it with your hand has a positive effect because it goes into somehow into our body. And the other thing was like three things which would make today great. And that's a bit also vision Lakhiani six phase meditation where you visualize your day from getting up, meditating, eating breakfast, commute, water work, and you see all the positive things. So you prep your brain for, for like a great, 
meeting with people and you focus on the good things because you're already seeing it, right? Uh, exactly. But these are like things you do in the morning and in the evening, uh, it's also like greatness I saw, right? Like someone held the door open for me. Someone stopped at the, the red light, even though they had green, but let me pass. Someone let me in front in the line, whatever it is, right? Someone gave me a flower. Um, and things, uh, how I could improve today. If you see like, oh, today was perfect, but you know, I could have perhaps less procrastinated. Like one, two, three, four, five, go, right? That's like a tip for not getting stuck. And what exactly. was the other thing? I don't remember the last thing because I don't have the book anymore. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's sim similar to Vishen Lakhiani's Buddha and the Badass, Be Extraordinary. He also talks about in the evening, look at synchronicities. Look at coincidences happening because you visualized something and in the evening, did something happen which actually fits to what you visualized for the greater purpose of your life? Exactly. And, and I see that. You see that. And the more synchronicities you see, the more you prepare your brain to actually accept it. And actually, he says also the universe would give more to you because you're now you're attentive. And you say, hey, thank you, universe. You gave me that person which I needed to have in my life to, I don't know, help me. I mean, for me, I talked to a Dane which has a father from Lebanon or Algeria. So he looks not really Danish, but he's, his name is very Danish. And he was a mool, uh, he was a bricklayer in English. And our, my, my wife came this morning and said, do you know a bricklayer? And two hours later, I was talking to that guy and he said he, he was a bricklayer for two years or three years. Uh, he might look at it because it's a very small project. So that's a synchronicity. Exactly. And that's also great things happening. So, so this five, six minute journaling fits a lot with what Vishen Lakhiani says. So if people are any interested, I will put all these links on the show notes or in the blog post. And you agree on that. So what, what is your take of what I just said? I, I completely agree with that. When we're focusing in on the positive, I think more positive happens. And there's been times in my life I have focused on, you know, oh, this terrible thing happened. And then the next terrible thing happens and it's a snowball. <laughs> um, and yes. then what I've also noticed is if you start looking at the positive, it can be a snowball too, but it's, it's going up because it's the positive and you get more positive, more positive, more positive. And not to say that things aren't going to happen because there's always going to be things that happen. But um, even like the other day, I had some stuff that went completely wrong. But what I remember out of the most remember out of the day is um, some of the times that I spent with some people and, um, and that went all okay. And I disregarded what, the other part that happened. In fact, I'm trying to think of what actually happened because I don't recall, <laughs> um, which is probably a good thing. Um, and, and I think just writing it down, it also, um, there's some psychology that I know that I have done even in the past with students. If you want them to be able to do something positive, you videotape them of doing that positive thing like one of them maybe is like they're just going to try to step up on a curb but they can't quite step up on the curb so you take a picture of them at the bottom on the street 
and then you see them again on the sidewalk. And if you show it to them over and over and, and saying, look, you're so successful, you're on the sidewalk. You got up on the sidewalk from the curb. Um, eventually, they start stepping up and putting their foot up on the curb and then stepping up and then getting onto the sidewalk. Um, and they're very successful, whereas before they were saying, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this, it's too big of a step. <laughs> and um, and so just visual again, it's kind of that visualizing, but they actually had visualizing with pictures of seeing themselves successful. Okay, um, I just see that as a general methodology to help people to to see what they can. I mean, I see it. I took a lot of pictures before, like 2019. Now 2020, I have done less. But whenever I look at the great pictures I took, I'm like, wow, I was actually really good. And people told me that. But when you do that great work, you don't really realize until for a longer period, because for two years, my bigger iMac, which is standing next to me with the big screen, uh, is broken. And I somehow cannot fix it. And I love to work on that because it was a big screen and all the pictures. And now I work outside. And I, even yesterday i went and looked for a, a notepad and i saw drawings i made oh, 20 years ago and i was like wow they're detailed and really good from elephants in the zoo because i had um, a free class from the school of art that was one year and we went on on saturday mornings for two hours and then we had to different exercises and we were drawing a lot of elephants also in the museum the skeleton just to get wow. you know the skeleton and then you know and I'm like, wow, I was really, really good. But for me, it was just so normal. And I compared myself with other artists, which were really good as well. And they were better, of course. Some were better here, some were better there. And just start, start to compare yourself with everyone. And now when I look at it, I'm like, Jesus, that's more than 20 years ago. If just continuing for 20 years, where would I be now? <laughs> right. Not comparing, and just listening to yourself, just try to improve yourself from day to day. Exactly, and that's all we can do at this point is just improve ourselves day to day. And it is hard to not look at people and say, oh, they're doing this much better than I am. But then it's like, um, who's to say we're not doing something well also? And it might inspire someone. I know that, I think that you're great at, at being an artist. And I haven't seen but one piece of your work, but I unfinished. Think that, <laughs> but I think that you just have um, that's like I just keep hearing that that's like your gift, and so you can pick it up now and and start doing it, even if it's just that five minutes for journaling, and you're just painting for five minutes or drawing for five minutes. But that that's it, it's funny because it comes always back and back and back. Uh, it, for me, taking up a camera and taking pictures, it was not difficult because I just see. Um, drawing, I, I'm sometimes sketching. I'm like, wow, where did that come from? Many times, if, if I'm in the flow, if I try and force it, it's, it's not ending in a good way. And even though I'm not drawing or sketching much, when I'm in the flow, it just goes well. And people are like, oh, you must be drawing a lot. I'm like, I used to 20 years ago. Um, so there is something in me which is just... Um, the interest, the passion, the certain skill set because of the passion, right? Um, you cannot become good if you don't have passion or love for something. Right. And I, I can tell you have passion. And, and there's just something 
that I keep feeling like you get messages always through your hands. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I do be. keep they're, I keep hearing moving. how important that is. So, you know, taking your pictures with the camera, doing the painting and stuff, I just keep seeing that as being very healthy and beneficial and showing you like what really is great happening in your world. Um, that might even be your journal as your pictures. You take pictures and to you, you're like, oh, I didn't get to do much of this today, but you can take a picture. And then when you look back, you're like, oh, that was a great day. Yeah, now where do I have the phone now so I can take a picture of the kids and post it? <laughs> exactly. So let's see. Uh, but the thing is also, I tried the 365 um, Instagram where I take a picture, like the picture's been taken by me. Oops. Uh -huh. Back to normal. Uh, <clears throat> and then I used the smartphone because it was 2015 where the smartphones got really much more potent in what you can do. And so I tried to have graphics on it or text, but I did it only a little bit more than half a year because it was very time consuming sometimes. Right. Some pictures had two and a half hours. I used there, you know, trying different graphics and <laughs> playing around. But I have really many cool pictures from that time just by doing it every day. Right. Um, and the other thing is what I, when you mentioned this journaling by drawing, I hope the listeners are not getting co totally confused here with our talk. Uh, not too many weeks ago, I mean, all this COVID time, everything is kind of m meshing into each other. I don't remember when, what. Uh, we are all home with the family. There's a lot of health summits. There's 5G summits. There's technology. There's meditation summits. There's like so many things I'm absorbing. Um, but there was one class on the TED Talk and he's talking that he was doing a, a sketch every day for how he feels. Right. Journaling by drawing his feelings. Um, I tried that. It doesn't really work that well for me because I'm ending up doing the same. But I guess it could also be, you know, you do it for a month or something and then things start going. Uh, right. It's many things, right? You have to have a certain mileage before anything it, works. Writing, exactly. drawing, coaching. Exactly. And I'm actually hearing that, that, um, like at the beginning, the drawings are depicting kind of how you feel now, which is, is sometimes maybe not how you want to feel. So keep drawing because then eventually it'll get down to, um, I I'm hearing going down to deeper levels, but it'll finally hit what you need. Okay. So it's basically, but it would fit to the TED Talk uh, when he says, because other TED Talks, I guess it came because I was watching a TED Talk about journaling, right? Every day, writing down mm -hmm. your feelings. Like if in case of doing a six-minute journal, um, it's similar, right? You write down the, the synchronicities you saw or how you feel, what you could do better. Um, something great about you. I guess that was these three things in the evening. You could also feel how I feel, how I felt today. Right. And, and, and I think they will talk about it. It's, it's like, you know, you start to understand yourself better. Exactly. Both ways, like writing down or I guess for someone could also be an audio file, like that you tape yourself talking into an audio recorder. Oh, look at that. I get the popcorn. Oh, yay. And Ooh, I know she's one. going, let's go burn the witch. Let's go burn the witch. You already burned it without me. That's how much uh, patience my kids have. 
Det var lang tid siden. Okay, det tog I... et minut, så var den helt færdig. Okay, it was burning fast. It was like uh -oh. less than a minute and the, the witch burned down. Uh-oh. Yes, so... Uh... Det er to, det er den anden pakke. Okay, I've ended up. Den anden skål, det er <laughs> We're still interviewing here. Yeah, they want me to finish. They want to have fun with me. Oh, definitely. I won't keep you much longer because I know that they're they're going, come on, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. They're actually cleaning the, the trampoline now. Yeah, I don't know. There must be popcorn all over the trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. But um, yeah, I'm a bit um, taken away here. Uh, let, let's continue a little bit more and see where we're going um, yes. just to close it off um, as I said it's I told talk with you that since since in the middle of this COVID um, start I had the feeling like I should change my my podcast a bit I wasn't sure I get more spiritual people on it so far more spiritual people come to me business wise I mean there's business coaches which are very spiritual thinking uh, Vision Lakiani as well, right? He's like talking about Buddha and the badass, like being spiritual and being a businessman. Uh, exactly. It does not be separate, it can be together. Steve Jobs was very spiritual as well, and many of his ideas came through meditation and visualization. Um, exactly. Now, your gifts are uh, hearing voices, if that is the right thing. Right. Are I, those guides or angels, or what is it? Um, I believe that they're um, guides. They can be angels too. I just um, know that I, it, it still comes from that place of what I see as magnificent. And that's where it's coming from. Cause I also always see like um, the light. And, um, and so I, and I also get like a sensation. Um, so I also have like feeling like I will feel sometimes what the other person is feeling. So empathy is another thing but um but yeah i do definitely hear and i'll have them just talk to me while i'm talking to someone and i'm like i oh, know this sounds really strange and i used to just try to ignore it and shut it off but um usually when i talk to people and i bring up what i'm hearing they always go how do you know that <laughs> yes i mean let, let's put it for me I know my wife is not listening to my podcast, otherwise she wouldn't ask uh, what mm -hmm. I'm doing all the time. <laughs> but uh, we are talk we talked about uh, my family, like my kids, my wife, my wife's family, my family, and so on. And you really brought up a lot of points where I'm like, this makes sense. Right. It, it was kind of putting puzzle pieces. Uh, two weeks ago, I talked to Kimber. Let's hope it that I also can have an interview of her. She's like a coach for heart-centered intuitives. Mm -hmm. And that also opened up a lot of understanding doors or puzzle pieces. And um, so I can completely confirm that Mandy has this gift and I guess they're very, uh, very accurate. What I have realized when we talked last time, after, we talked about two hours, after we half did. an hour, 45 minutes, I started hearing voices myself. Yes. But I don't hear them now. And my sister, which is an animal communicator, and you said she should be able to help me, she was very intrigued because I talked with her about what we talked or what I could remember. 
And she said, she doesn't know how to help me, but um, the whole conversation came up because I was sitting. Now we don't hear it, people. I was thinking of, of taking this uh, interview outside, but whenever I talk to people outside, they hear the, the birds. There's like birds all the time around me. Okay. Uh, and um, so let's see if I have to start learning to listen to animals, like in the Walt Disney movie, that the voices will come to me. But definitely feeling and listening to the heart is definitely something that sometimes works, but I'm working on it. Also, Vision Lakiani's class, the Silva Method and Silva Ultramind should right. help to, to get more in touch with the intuition. Exactly. And I definitely do feel like that you're getting messages. And I think, like you were saying, when you're outside and in your garden area, mm -hmm. that's when I think you probably pick up messages. And I don't think it's just the birds. I, I feel like you have a connection to the trees there. And, <laughs> yeah. And with all of that. Uh, it's funny. We talked about it on Thursday that the whole journey for me, I mean, I started the podcast in April last year or first of May, I think was the first episode live. And in June, I went to Bulgaria to some Diva retreat, mastermind retreat. And I had a few people from there on my episode. Uh, and we went into a holy place and a church and I was there for like 10 minutes and I could not be in there. I felt like right. pushed out. We talked about it. I tried to connect with the place. Everyone was so ah, this is a great place, lots of energy, but I didn't feel good uh, for whatever reason. And that's when it started that I saw a lot of uh, pine forest, kind of rocky mountains, Yellowstone. I've been in Calgary, right, and, uh, and Vancouver Island, so I've seen, and I feel good. I felt very good in Canada, and the energy was always feeling good. And I it's also visualized Native Americans, and you said you're grand grand grandmother was my, the my, daughter of a chief or something like that right my great grandmother was the daughter of the chief in cherokee and the chawahani tribe okay you have to write that to me <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i don't even know how to spell chawahani <laughs> <laughs> okay i never heard that before but it's it's interesting because i've seen these images and i'm like i have no idea where it comes from it was just there since for a year that I have this feeling I need to go and meet Native Americans and, uh, and be around them. As, but I'm generally interested in meeting um, old cultures, right? Also Aborigines and, and so on. But it's from Siberia is another place where I'm kind of feeling like uh, I need to go. I've been in Ecuador in the forests, not with Native people, but uh, it was also nice. But for me, it's more the pine trees. Right. And I feel like that you're supposed to be like the, a healer also. So I get that feeling inside of me. And I think that with being around the Native American people, you'll pick that up. But um, if you come this direction too, you'll, if you, I don't know, just touch the trees. Um, there's, we even have some of the pine trees that you can smell. And that smells like vanilla or butterscotch. Really? Uh-huh. And so it's, is um, I think it's the Ponderosa. Is pa the... Ponderosa? Mm-hmm. And they smell like vanilla. Because we are having a lot of doTERRA essential oils for about two and a half years. And mm -hmm. we got, we were like waiting for getting some of the pine tree oils. 
And so we got the Siberian fur, fur and the reaction when I put the drop on my wrist and did like this and pulled in, my whole body was chilled, like chilling, like I had goosebumps from so my wife as well. Uh, we did it with some other friends. They had no reaction and a Danish friend of us had the same reaction. It was like not even a second and the whole body was like, zzz, like, right. so I'm actually curious if, if uh, doTERRA has some essential oils from, from that tree. Yeah, that would be awesome. And just see how, how that feels too. I bet that you'll probably have like this wonderful vibe that goes through you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just this, the smell. I love it. It's, um, but you know, it's like when we go into essential oils, I don't want to go too deep here, but essential oils you can put on the skin and they will go through the body into the blood and then very fast be um, spread through the body. Then you have to smell and then also internal, but internal only if you have the cleanest product ever, right? Because otherwise if you have chemical, but even then yeah. if you have chemical and put it on the skin, it will still go in the blood. So, I mean, essential oils, get it naturally if, if you can. But I know when you, when you smell it, you, you activate also the other part. It's also exactly. memories sometimes. It does, definitely. It's fantastic because it actually uses other senses that we don't always use. And I just think that's fascinating. Yeah, so for me, the smell, it's just like, I don't know, it's one of my favorite smells. is summer summer pine trees like the warmth when you have like i don't know what is it 70 to 80 fahrenheit like the 25 30 degrees sunshine <laughs> june july august perhaps and then you just smell the trees because of the, the uh, what is it called the, not the wax the the hearts how is it called in english you know the sticky thing oh the sap yeah the sap mm -hmm. yeah, i just love the smell and it is, it does smell good. And that's over um, right at Lake Tahoe. You can smell that right now. Oh, okay. So we are, I've just got the message to, to uh, close it down. We're not going into creativity today, but uh, let's see if we do another interview. Do we have any advices you want to give the people? Just stay positive and just make sure that you're um, doing things that you love. And if you can keep that gratitude journal, I think that that's really helpful. And um, I just wish everyone the best, definitely. And hopefully I'll get to talk to some of you guys sometime. Yes, look at my daughter. She's respecting us by massaging herself while we have an interview. Aw, <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> so at the five minute journal or the gratitude journal mm -hmm. stay positive and do the things that you love and that's yes. not always easy i mean we can talk a lot about finding the things you love exactly and i i i know we all get caught up in our day because i even get caught up in my day and then it's late at night and i go oh my goodness but if you can just do like one thing for yourself a day that you like doing even if it's just for one minute or two minutes and that's all you get the chance to do it it helps to raise your vibration um yeah i mean this this is also a call to action a bit right i mean this is an advice and a call to action because i have these two questions at the end because gratitude journal it's a call to action and it's an advice so so people 
I'll, I'll put all the links to whatever I've learned about gratitude journals. And so that's the call for action or call to action. And it's the advice from you. How yes. can people get in touch with you? If they say, I want to know more about right. I'm actually developing a website. I don't have it out yet, but if you want to send me an email, it's, um, me, it's Mandy Morgan and it's M A N D I M O R G A N. And then it's dot be inspired and it's B E I N S P I R E D at gmail.com. So it's mandymorgan.beinspired at gmail.com. Wow, yes. And uh, people, you will not be disappointed. And um, thank you for listening so far. And Mandy, thanks for your time. And uh, thank you. It's not been too disturbing with my daughter coming in and out. She is lovely. I, I think lovely. she's wonderful. Fantastic energy. <laughs> yes and i'm sure i would love to have a, another episode with you and we'll look at what kind of topic we talk like your future you mentioned that you would like to work with oceans and cleaning the oceans and i definitely want to work with cleaning the ocean so if anybody knows anything please let either oliver or myself know <laughs> <laughs> yes so that is out for in this episode but let's see what um what we talk next time so for that, great. for that time, all the listeners, thank you for being here. And yeah, see you another time. Thank you. <laughs> hey, here's Oliver again at the end of the show. I, if you like this interview or any other episode I had so far, please head out and go to your favorite podcast host, podcast provider and Put that subscribe button so you will get all my future episodes as well and if you're so friendly and you really like and enjoy and would like more people to be able to to benefit from the interviews I have go out to uh, Apple Podcasts Spotify wherever you are and leave some uh, review some ratings which will help to get my show a little bit more seen thank you very much for that and have a great day <laughs>